It's hour two of the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G, Sage Williams. We have a full house today. We're all hurting a little bit, though. Nigel Pack entering the transfer portal. It stings. It stings, but it's not a surprising sting. That's in my opinion. But welcome back in hour two, and we still have a full hour to go. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to hear from Brian Anderson, K-State's running back coach, who spoke with the media yesterday about the development of younger running backs, including one that happens to be from Junction City, who's going to yeah. be in contention to back up hashtag my boy, Deuce Vaughn, <laughs> in Deuce's junior season with K-State football. Number one song of the day in Ask Us Anything is all coming up. Well, a shot to the gut earlier today with Nigel Pack. That announcement coming out, verbal commits, is where I saw it first, which was about five hours ago, as Nigel Pack becomes the fourth cat to depart K-State men's basketball. With the coaching change, he joins Selton Miguel, Carlton Lingard, Luke Kasupke, and, uh, I mean, who knows who's going to be next, but I would predict somebody will certainly be next but now that means that there's five scholarships now open for this next season and we talked about in the last hour which if you did miss the last hour go back to the podcast page on demand tab at newsradiokman.com search for the game kman you'll find it there the first hour has been uploaded also search for the game kman on where you wherever you find your podcast and listen to the first hour because we did break down the departure of nigel pack and what he was able to bring to the table, what we're going to be missing. But I, I do want to get a little bit deeper into what now Jerome Tank is going to be replacing if Nigel Pack does feel the need to go ahead and go somewhere else, even though he did say in his announcement on Twitter earlier today that the schools he does consider, certainly K-State will be in that mix to come back, exit the transfer portal, and remain a Wildcat. But we don't know that's going to happen yet. I would imagine it doesn't, but the possibility is still out there. What hurts the most about Nigel Pack leaving is, of course, his potential to be, I mean, a jersey in the rafters a Bramlage Coliseum someday. As a matter of fact, his numbers, when it comes to three-point shooting, would say he had an opportunity to be one of the best of all time. Oof. Now, Pack leaves us averaging 17.4 points a game, rebounds, 2.2 assists, shooting 43.5% from three-point range this past season. Scored 30 points three times. That was kind of the uh, damned – well, how do I put this? I don't know if there's any fancy way to put it, but every time he scored 30 points, K-State lost. It was almost (laughs) like a curse. It was a blessing and a curse. There we go. Mm -hmm. At the same time. Where he goes off, has a big game, the Kansas one still hurts, where he scores 35 points, and K-State does not win the game. It was the same thing for Mark Smith. Like, when Mark Smith grabbed 16 rebounds, K-State always lost that game. Yeah, It was right. just, for some reason, it was, it was a curse whenever a cat just went off in a certain s- statistic. But Nigel Pack, in his two years at K-State, was a phenomenal offensive player, especially when shooting the three ball. Now, I will say he did also get better when it came to two-point shooting. That was pretty decent as well. Now, defensively, he was all right. I would not say he was great. He was pretty good at times. But I would I would call him just maybe a tad bit above average when it comes to a defender. 
I mean, it, you know, Marquise Noel, he's not the best defender either. He does have some great plays once in a while, but he's not the best either. Now, those two at times had trouble staying in front of their defender, but of course, dealing ball screen after ball screen. But Nigel Pack got so good, and especially carried over after the KU game, where you would see defenses kind of throwing a little bit of a different look at Nigel Pack. I call it the Aoka Lee effect. Because what happened when she scored 61 points against Oklahoma? Boy, defenses were doing everything they could to stop Aoka Lee and force everybody else to make plays. Yep. Now, after a while, we did see Nigel Pack, you know, instead of maybe a one or a two guarding him, it's maybe a four stepping up, and you have longer arms in your way, and... You know, Baylor didn't maybe uh, Baylor. Baylor is an example, as a matter of fact, where you know they would put they just simply just put their best defender on him, a three or four, usually one of those bigger guys. Put him on Nigel. Just keep him on Nigel. Mm -hmm. Put your best defender in front of Nigel Pack and make sure he does not get an easy three. Casey would try to set ball screens and he didn't always get open. But the great thing about Nigel Pack, he had a hair trigger. Mm -hmm. He had a very quick release. And he was accurate. If he had an open window, slim, wide open, you felt pretty good about him knocking down three-point shots. And it got him to a spot where he's first-team All-Big 12, and now he has an opportunity for, uh, you know, get some great advice from the NBA draft process, even though the odds would say he's coming back for another year of college basketball. But let's take a look at the numbers. His three-point shooting was on a pace I don't think people realized how great of a pace Nigel Pack has been on the last couple of years. Did you know that Nigel Pack made 155 threes in two seasons? No. That number puts him 10th all-time in K-State history Mm, in three-point makes. Wow. Averaging in his career, 2.9 a game. That is a fantastic number. Keeping in mind as well that he's doing that with the deepest of the three-point lines that the college game has seen. When the three-point line was put into play in the late 80s, you were talking in 1909. Man. So it was a much easier shot than what it is even now. As a matter of fact, what makes it more impressive, his growth from freshman to sophomore year, he made two and a half threes a game freshman year. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. He turned that into 3.3 a game wow. his sophomore year. Nigel had four games this year out of his 29 that he hit at least four threes. Dang. I mean, just an incredible shot from three-point range. His growth from three just grew significantly. Just out of curiosity, who's number one in that category? Uh, For three-point field goals made? Made? Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. Okay. Ah. We will get to that. Okay. So, continuing on with Nigel Pack and his three-point shooting. In those two seasons I mentioned, freshman and sophomore year, he has shot 42.3% from three-point range. Mm-hmm. That would put him as a career three-point shooter at K-State third <laughs> all time in three-point shooting. Oh. Now, last year... Dave's over here hurting. Th- I know. Like, oh, God. Th- this past season, I say last year. I mean, the season just wrapped up you know, a few weeks ago. 
but in this past season, he hit 95 threes. It took Ochai Baji this last game to pass Nigel Pack for most three-pointers made this season. Wow. That's 37 games. He did it in 29. Wow. 29 games, 95 threes. That's the most ever by a sophomore in K-State history. We all know the this this stat that he currently actually has a school record of 34 consecutive games making a three-pointer. Mm-hmm. That actually crushed the previous record, and it dates back to last season. But let's keep this going. So 95 threes this past season, third all-time. Now, the record in one year is Ski Jones and Jacob Pullen both making 110 a game. But, you know, Ski Jones did it in 33 games. Pack did it in – or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Pack did it in 108 games. I'm I'm getting this mixed up. I'm sorry. I'm getting this all mixed up. Um, let let me see here. Okay, so Ski Jones did it in 100. He did it in 33 games. 110 threes in 33 games. I'm sorry, I'm getting this mixed up, but we're getting it figured out. So Ski Jones 110 threes in 33 games to set the record. So Jacob Pullen matched that in 37 games. But in 33 games, Pack would have been on pace to make 108 wow. this season. So he would have been too shy. If he had the opportunity to play as many games as Jacob Pullen, he would have made 121 on that pace. So he would have crushed the record if he played as many games as Jacob Pullen. But, of course, his teams got to play much more postseason basketball. I hope I was able to make sense of that. Yeah. Was I clear after yeah. I figured it out? Um, also, quick side note, what a record to have. I mean – 110 threes over 33 games? Like, you're filling it up, yeah. man. Ski wow. Jones, Ski Jones was the man, for Ooh. sure. Now, let's keep this going with the three-point shooting. Because I did a lot of math today. <laughs> but here was the most important math I thought I did today. Nigel Pack, if he were to stay a couple of more years, like play the four years like Jacob Pullen did. Now, I'm not I'm not like trying to compare them. Sure. I'm just trying to put this in perspective on the potential and the continued growth of Nigel Pack if he was just to keep the same pace that he did with the two years combined he was here at K-State. If that pace continued for two more years, Nigel Pack on pace to score 310 threes in 106 games. So to put that in perspective... Jacob Pullen has the all-time big, uh, the all-time K-State record for most threes made in a career with 299. What that would mean is Nigel Pack would break Jacob Pullen's record in 32 less games. Wow. Mm. Mm. Wow. A whole season. Pretty much. Oh my god. Pretty much. Wow. And you got to think as a junior, as a senior, your production steps up. I mean, it, you know, like oh my god. Basically, like I said, I don't want to try to compare Jacob Pullen to Nigel Pack. I mean, of course, Jacob Pullen, all-time leading scorer. He also, I suppose, maybe didn't have like a bit as big of a freshman year as Nigel Pack did. Of course, you know, Pullen had an impact freshman year. There's no doubt about that. Right. He wasn't playing as many minutes as Nigel Pack did. But what I'm getting at here is, you know, Nigel Pack was on pace. As a three-point shooter, as a scorer, because keep in mind his first year limited as well because of the pandemic, had a shorter season. 
on pace, no doubt about it, to be one of the probably the best three point shooter Kansas State has ever seen. Oh man. And those that, stats. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, basically, what I'm getting at, you can you, share your piece here in just a moment. But, but sure. what this is all about here, that is extremely tough to replace. Mm-hmm. His points per game is replaceable, but his kind of talent and his kind of shot to be through two seasons a 43 percent shooter from three point range, average three threes a game. Jacob Pullen averaged 2.2 threes a game. That's a huge difference. Right there. I mean, when it adds up, that is a huge difference. Nigel Pack was no doubt about the leader of this team. He was the star of this team, the most talented player on this team. What hurts is if you could just put a lot more talent around him, mm-hmm. build a team around Nigel Pack. That's why I would love for him to stay because Jerome Tang has the chops, has what we've seen, the talent to be able to recruit some stars. And if you could put those guys around Nigel Pack, man, could this team just have the opportunity to blow up. I think of Seth, not Steph Curry, and began his career at Liberty, played his first two years at Liberty, and was outstanding as a three-point shooter, carried them into the postseason, performed exceptionally well, and was on pace to set all kinds of records for them. He elected to transfer to Duke. And remember, he became a piece in that puzzle for Duke. In Nigel's case, that's probably the situation that you could best compare what's going on with him being in the transfer portal now to. He's going to wind up being a piece in someone else's offense if things hold up this way. And how those numbers will be different will be interesting to see. But you're looking at a guy who saw what his opportunities had been here. Maybe it's about the coaching change, as we talked about in the last hour. Maybe it's because he sees another opportunity out there and wants to be a part of that puzzle and isn't quite sure that K-State's going to be in that situation next year to be in the NCAA tournament. Great point. I you know I didn't even think about that. Like he really the we did he had the green light and we put the ball in his hands all the every possession. Make sure he gets it. Make sure he gets it. So it will. The production will dip. I also would like to see those numbers stacked up nationwide and see like not just at K-State with the rich basketball history but other programs too. I mean, I'm sure he's at the top of almost every school. I mean, with that kind of output. Oh, absolutely. And uh, when it came to this season, like I can't really give you a lot of comparisons. Where I, I, I mean, I could probably look up the numbers. It would take me a little while to get all that information. Time. I can tell you that his shooting percentage from three this year, which was over forty three percent, that's fifth best in the country. Wow! And I think there's no doubt. Like if you compare who else was up there with them, they probably didn't make ninety five threes this season. No. I mean that is an amazing number to almost hit triple-digit three-pointers in a year. It's only been done twice. And not to add, like he averaged 17.4 points a game. Like We haven't seen that. Cl- That's only happened by one player since Michael Beasley to average that many points in a season. It was Jacob Pullen twice. Mm-hmm. Nigel Pack is the best scorer game by game since Jacob Pullen. And doing that 
for an offensively challenged team. <laughs> yeah. You could say it was a better offensive team this year, but took a dip defensively, kind of flipped yeah. of what the previous year was. But no doubt about it, Nigel Pack, last year to this year, improved his game offensively. Man, if only Oof. K-State had more talent this past season to keep defenses honest, spread the floor a little bit better. Just imagine if Nigel Pack had more freedom. If he oh had that kind God. of team around him, oh. what he could have potentially done. Oh. He would have got to triple digits on those three-pointers. Yeah. Also, if he didn't miss a couple of games. Sure. He, he probably would have been in triple digits if he didn't certainly have to sit out a couple of games. All right. Still hurts, though, man. Yeah, it stinks. How, yeah. After all I gave you, that's got to sting even more, right? Yeah, why'd I mean, you do that, dude? Hey, better today than tomorrow. That's we can at least celebrate Friday as Friday tomorrow. Right. Hey, you should show him those and say, hey, why don't you uh, stick around to complete this, pal? <laughs> I mean, do you want more? I could give you another stat here. Nigel Pack, going back to the record, like if he was still on pace, how quick could he get it done and beat Jacob Pullen's record? If it was on pace, he would do it and also 96 less shots. Jeez. Man, that's accuracy, man. <laughs> 96 less shots? Oh, my God. In 32 less games. <laughs> Man. That, that's just insane that's a, numbers. That, that's a, yep. Insane numbers. That's yep. uh, speaking of insane Insanity. numbers, I think it's fair to throw uh, Deuce Vaughn in that category. Who in the world's going to back him up? Well, we didn't huh. exactly get that answer, but we did get some info on the improving running backs and the running back room. That is currently at K-State as spring ball is in motion. As the media spoke with Brian Anderson, running back coach of K-State, that conversation is up next. Well, a common question at the spring press conferences have been about the running back position. Uh, I, I, I did ask about Deuce Vaughn, what he's doing at practice. You know, just it's it's limited stuff. You're trying to limit how many hits Deuce is going to take because he's a proven guy. He is a made man. For sure. For K-State football. He is first string through and through. Nobody can touch him. It is cement in stone. But who in the heck is going to back up this guy? The transfer portal is going to be tough to bring in a running back because who wants to back up the best running back in the country? It's hard to be king when king is uh, not your title. Does that make sense? I made that up. That was stupid. You know what? I like how you just went with it. You know what I'm saying? It was confident. You just got to try it on yeah, once we'll in a while. We'll go with it. Yep. Sometimes a little bit snug. Sometimes it's... you need to... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yep. That one's good. That one we throw aside. Yeah. Hey, it's tough to be king when the king ain't title. That, uh, yeah. A preach, brother. Preach. 537-1350. Did that work? Did that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Let Sage know. We'll get a vote going here. <laughs> we can call it. We're, we're about to play this audio from, um, from Brian Anderson, who, by the way, is one of my favorite quotes on the team. No offense to Colin Klein, he's just he's pretty tight lipped. Like I have tried many times and kind of thrown in different variations of asking the question. We've heard about this quicker offense. What does that mean? Can I get some details here? 
and he didn't give me. He, he really didn't give me. He, he said something about you know I've just kind of taken what I've learned from people I've I know and who I've been coached by and who I've coached with and just kind of threw it all in together and like. I don't think you've been around a whole lot of people that run a quick offense. <laughs> no, maybe Coach's son, yeah. uh, his high school coach was very much that way. Coach Snyder, yeah, I think I think Collins got it probably pretty well down pat at this point. So we're not going to find anything out probably until September third against South Dakota because of course there's no spring game. There'll be like this open spring practice for the fans, and even who knows how much you'll see there. But maybe you'll see a little bit. I will say though, we did like we got a taste of it at the at the bowl game. Yeah, you know it was a little bit of hurry up, but it wasn't exactly hey let's snap it in ten seconds. Let's just get up in the line. We'll figure it out from there. I like. Let's that. just eliminate the huddle, like that kind of thing. That's what I'm expecting. But we're not going to get any true answers until the fall rolls around. However, we're also probably not going to get a whole lot of answers on who's going to back up Deuce Vaughn right now. But we can at least learn about who is going to potentially back him up, how they are growing. Because if you know me, I am very all in on DJ Giddens and how he's a bigger back. He's 6'1". He was fantastic at Junction City. And boy, did we hear a lot about DJ Giddens preseason of last year. But there's a lot to say about the running backs and who is currently on uh, the roster with Jordan Shippers, DJ Giddens, Jack Stanine, who has moved into a running back spot, Devron Weathers, uh, James Wyatt, who transferred from Air Force. I'll just let uh, old B.A. tell you about the running backs. The game continues on News Radio. I did it again. I played the wrong one. I always do. Play the right one, please. Sage, cut that out. Summarize the first two or three weeks that you guys have had so far. It's been good. It's been good. Kids have worked hard. Uh, you can tell in the off season they've gotten stronger, they've gotten faster, and now it's to continue to build their football minds. Is the mission of this off season kind of to find that next guy after Deuce? Yeah, yeah. We're trying to find the next guy. That guys are getting a lot of reps. Uh, guys are doing a good job of taking what they're learning in the classroom to the field and now getting them to try to play faster. And so now with it, when it comes to those live reps, um, they'll have some success. So it's just continue to, to develop those younger guys like DJ Giddings and, and Jordan Shippers and, and Jackson Ean and, uh, and see what uh, they can do for us in the fall. How have Jackson, Seth been helping you since switching positions? They've been good. They've been really good. Uh, Jax has done a good job of double doing between fullback and tailback. Uh, learning the protections is, is a challenge for him because he's never had to do that in, uh, from the fullback position, but uh, he's doing a really good job. And then Seth just brings another dimension out of the backfield and uh, catching the ball out of the backfield, running the routes out of the backfield like Deuce does for us. Really open-ended uh, BA, but um, when you think of Colin Klein, what comes to mind? Passion. He cares about the kids a lot. Uh, he wants to score 50 points every day we go out there, um, you know, and he has a lot of confidence in what we're doing, and the kids got a lot of confidence in him. So uh, I think we're on the right track going from bowl prep to spring ball and, and then hope to continue this summer and then fall camp. So uh, I'm really, really pleased with where we're at offensively. And, and like I said, he's done a great job of getting the kids to really buy into what we're doing. Your first year here, you spread the carries around with a bunch of guys, and obviously since Deuce has gotten here, it's moved more towards him. Would you like to get back to a spot where you have more uh, diversity in that backfield, or, or how do you assess Well, it's, it's, it's hard because it's game by game. You know, even though when we, our first year we had those three backs, and it, you know, one guy would run hot, and then you wanted to try to keep feeding them. 
And uh, now you have a guy who can carry a load, uh, 20-plus carries and maybe five or six catches a game. And if he's playing well, it's hard to take him off the field. you know. But, yeah, we would like to get another person there to help spill that more. I think Joe Irvin did a really good job of that last year. And uh, if we can get someone to come in and just take some of the load off at, at certain points of the game and, and be consistent at what they're doing, I think that will definitely help them. What kind of a runner is DJ? He's a slasher. He's one of the strongest guys in the weight room. His contact balance is unbelievable. Uh, he showed that last year in fall camp. And so if we can continue to get him just to play faster and see pitchers and learn how to play with a tempo and then a burst, I think I mean, his upside is, is tremendous. And, you know, that, and that's, a big, that's, a big, that's a big word. And then when you've when you got a guy like Deuce that can do all those things, you know, you kind of get spoiled a little bit. But, you know, there's a, such a fine line between the first guy and the second guy. But he, the second guy brings – he has a lot of pop to him when he does go. He, he can make guys miss. You know, he can catch the ball in the backfield. So getting him to just feel comfortable. And then once he gets that, I mean, the sky's the limit for him. What's the next step for, for a player that's as accomplished as, as Deuce already is after two years? Uh, so he and I, you know, met at the end of the last season – and uh, we talked about, okay, so let's go back and watch film from a year ago. And how can we make a five-yard run into a 10-yard run? Okay, so let's look, at, uh, let's look at all your catches. You know, let's just try to get the football IQ part to another level in what you're seeing. And then understanding the blocking schemes even, even more of what the guys up front are doing. You know, I went back and I've watched every, uh, every run of his a year from a year ago. And... I mean, he already has a very good football IQ. Now let's just continue to take it to another level. You know, I, I try to show guys videos of people talking about Marshall Falk. You know, one of the smartest football players to ever play the game. And, and the things he talked about was seeing defenses and really understanding defenses and understanding defensive gap schemes or de- defensive uh, alignments and understanding who's got what gap and then what guy is going to be the unblocked guy. So continue to show him those pictures and pictures and pictures, and I think that will continue to, to see his game go to another level. With the tweaks and the changes offensively, do you feel like your room is at least comfortable with that, still learning maybe too? Yeah, they're comfortable because um, a lot of it is the same terminology, and so a lot of it is just how we're calling things from a perspective of, Hey, we're taking a couple words out, okay? So we're not trying to tell every single player what to do on every single play. So we're taking some words out. So there's some memorization things they have to do, but they're they're doing a good job with it. How surprised were you when you first saw DJ last last summer and into the fall of just what he could potentially be? Oh, it it was like wow. (laughs) Truly, it was a wow factor because, I mean. He had a couple plays where, I mean, he got hit by four or five people and never went to the ground, you know. And so, and you saw that on his high school film, you know. You saw that uh, his contact balance was was crazy. And, and he's got good vision, but now it's just trying to put it together. In high school, it, you can see a big hole. You can run because you can outrun people. Now you got to learn how to, you know, keep your shoulders square, suck the guys down in, and then strike a match and go, you know. So he's starting to do those things, and, and, um, and I'm very pleased to where he's at and now I'm just kind of continue going he's a real quiet kid so he don't say much so I'm trying to just get him to really gain more confidence in his ability finally for me on Jordan what's his best attribute as we sit here and talk to 
today? He's really smart. He's a really smart kid. Uh, he picked up the offense. I think it was last spring where we had lost a couple of running backs with injuries, and we had a couple practices left, and we were like, hey, take Jordan Shippers over there. And I stood behind him uh, the first day, and I think he went home that night and must have crammed. And then the next practice, it was like he knew it all. You know, so he's a really intelligent kid, and he's going to help us on special teams. So I'm really pleased with where he's at. Was he a running back from the starter? No, he's a safety. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was a safety. You know, he, he and I got kind of the same path. He's a former leatherneck like myself. And so, and I took a liking to him right away. What kind of a goal line runner is Jax? Very, very explosive, very, very powerful, you know. And so if he can really understand, it's sometimes it's not just to go run into people. It's There's creases in there. That's what makes Deuce so very good at the goal line, that he can find a crease and then get in it, you know. And sometimes bigger backs like Jax might think he's just got to go run everybody over. No, dude, there's there's a gap in there that you can just walk in the end zone too. So, uh, But he's powerful and he's explosive. He has a lot of explosion for a guy short and compact like he is. There you have it, Brian Anderson, K-State's running back coach, and I would put him in my top five of uh, when it comes to the football staff of the most fun coaches to talk to. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, number one song of the day next. Now this is cheesy 80s music. I'm just, I'm I'm sitting here going, how in the hell did I recognize that riff at the start of that? Because I did nail it in my head. I went, wait, that's Huey Lewis in the news. Wait a minute, that's you. From 1987, Jacob's Ladder by Huey Lewis in the news, one week at number one. Unreal. No, this was not in a Back to the Future movie. I'm just sitting here going, how in the hell? Why why did my brain pull that one out out the moment I heard that riff? Huey Lewis in the news from uh, San Francisco, California. Made it big, of course, in the 80s and just maybe a tad bit in the 90s, like early 90s. Yes. But, of course, their popularity just blew up because of Back to the Future in 85 because of the song The Power of Love. But the band has sold over estimated 30 million records worldwide, 10 studio albums, 17 top 40 hits, and this is their third of three number ones. <laughs> I'm actually really surprised that they didn't have more number ones. Really? With how I'm surprised how, this was a number one. Uh, they, yeah, this is not one of their best efforts by any stretch. From their album Four, their second studio album, which if you ask Patrick Bateman, their most accomplished album. <laughs> I think that that may actually be why I recognized it so much, because Little Brother had it on cassette, oh, so it got played. It was... Three times platinum. Yeah. So they sold some records. It was it, that was it was really their breakthrough huge album. 
So according to Song Facts, this is what the song is about. And I'll read it. Uh, just quote it here. This is a song about a dancer being pursued by a fat man offering salvation. His offer is tempting, but she rejects it, telling him, quote, All I want from tomorrow is to get it better than today. Rockers have a history of taking a religious uh, evangelist, often naming that person, but in this one they don't, but could apply to any preacher who prays on the desperate, looking not to improve their spirituality, instead just going after their money. I just how can they the gist be, of it. how could they be so popular and just disappear? I mean, gone. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> the timing. I, I think that it really comes down to that the style. Yeah, it was so eighties. It, it was. It, it was. And let's be perfectly honest. We know where rock music went ninety two beyond. Sure. Or what's essentially the Nirvana effect, if right. you will. It's just funny, like, these guys, like, every single sounds like a, a song they've made for a movie. <laughs> it's weird. Do you have who wrote this? Yes, oh. I do. Bruce Hornsby. <laughs> so we, we had Bruce Hornsby, you know, weeks ago for oh, a number one funny. song, but he didn't feel like his band, they re- delivered on it, so they're like, hey, Huey. You're producing our album. You 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 take this song, see what you can do with it, and turn it into a number one hit. By the way, Jacob's Ladder, the name of the song, refers to a dream in the book of Genesis in the old Bible. This, to me, I mean, this sounds like a song. You just kind of stuff it in there for filler. Like, sure. this never was meant to be a hit. It was supposed to be a deep track. Only true fans knew it. But for some reason, it just clicked in 87 and went to number one. It doesn't make any sense to me. This is not, I would consider, a top Huey Lewis song. It's super cheesy. I don't get it. I don't either. This is one I just can't peg. If you look at the singles from that album, this was the third of the of the six. Damn. Stuck With You. That was a number one. Hip To Be Square. Big. This follows. It's catchy. I Know What I Like. Which was I don't. Okay. yeah, I, not a great track. Simple as that's not a good track. Doing it all for my baby was a solid track. I don't remember that one, but that was the that was the last of the six that got released as singles. Weird. I would have thought that would have been higher up in the mix, even above this song. It's just uh, doing it for my baby. Uh, just take this song and then say the words "doing it for my baby." That's that's it. Close, <laughs> yeah. that, that. Pretty close. This guy, man, and he I, he just looks weird to me too. He's got kind of a like a suburban dad thing going on, and he's in the eighties. And then seems like he should be wearing flannel. Yeah. You know, I, I, ironically, the other day, uh, Reba McIntyre's birthday, and I pulled out the track of uh, "Is There Life Out There," and I didn't even think anything of it until I'm rolling through the video, and he's in the video as. Reba McIntyre's husband. Oh my god! In the video, Huey. I worked with a guy. I worked at a grocery store in high school. Ray's Apple Market. Shout out to uh, the old Ray's Apple Market in Clay Center. I worked in the meat department for a while. That was the one of my favorite jobs. It was so much fun because the guys were really cool. Yeah. But one of the guys that worked in there was the biggest 
Huey Lewis and the News fan. Insane. Biggest fan. I didn't know that would exist. No. I was shocked when I heard that. As a matter of fact, the other guys gave him a hard time about it. Yeah. Yeah. But it, he had never seen the band. And like, I think it was one of the guys, or maybe his sister, like surprised him with tickets one day. And I got to see it. Surprised him with tickets to Huey Lewis and the News because they performed at the at the state fair here in Kansas. Oh, my God. I was like, man, that's cool. I, so that's did cool. he pass out? Or was he, what did he He do? fainted. He missed the concert. They had to take him back to the first aid. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. I made that up. Hot day. Yeah. Hot um, day. Smoking meats. Oh, here's the ultimate punchline for this. In an interview, Huey Lewis said it wasn't meant to be a single necessarily. Well, there you go. I was surprised it was a hit. Me too, buddy. Me too. Me too, buddy. All right, quick break, and we'll get some Ask Us Anything next. Thirteen fifty KMAN dot com is the spot where you can get local and state news and also sports and uh, uh, all kinds of cool stuff and weather. Hey, um, man, guys, what's a food that you swear up and down people are uh, faking that they actually like? They're N- lying. Uh, Nutella. Ooh, you said that quickly. That Nutella. Was- it's it's not good, mm-hmm. and but you know all these basics think uh, that it's it's delicious. Ooh, Nutella. Oh God, Troy, you got one you th- a food that you think people just you swear up and down people are faking that they like. Name a vegetable at this point. Ah, cauliflower, man. Yeah, see exactly. One. Yeah. Yikes! I can do cauliflower. Do cauliflower sucks. Sucks. It's not you know it's not the top of my menu. Yeah. I think gizzards are one thing that I'm like, I oh, don't wow. get you know, that. It, there's old school right My there. old man, he, he he says he loved gizzards, and I try them. Like, I, they're fine, I guess, but <sighs> extremely tough. Yeah, yeah it's just like, yeah. hey, give me a piece of bone and some muscle and then fry that in dirty fry, like in dirty stuff. And then I'll take it. It's gross. Yeah, there are much better parts of the fried chicken to enjoy. Way better. Sajay? I don't like pickles, and I don't really understand why people... Like, I'll see someone at a ball game, and they just have a whole pickle in their hand, and I'm like... Yeah, mm. that's, that's a odd. little too far. However, like on a sandwich, I love pickles on a burger. Pickles, I, I like extra pickles when I go to Subway or something. You say, hook it up, man. Do you like fried pickles? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm. I agree. I like that, but the the giant pickle because it looks like a toad, and you go, "What are you doing eating a toad or something?" That's weird, man. Is it like pickles? Like that's a big like pregnant food. Am I am I wrong? Uh, I maybe it's Sarah wasn't really into pickles much. Um, hmm. She was just. I no, never mind. I'm not gonna say anything. I'm gonna get in trouble if I say. I, no, sorry. Okay. <laughs> Oh, she beat my... Okay. Hey, who what, who, and what and where and why and how was your first kiss? We talked about this off the air. Yeah. Okay. So I think I was 12 or 13. It was a uh, truth or dare situation. Ooh. And um, back in old Morganville. I was going to say old girl. girl in my class. Pretty cute. Nice. Uh, we got dared to kiss each other. We did. I thought everybody kissed in a French way, and so I threw a lot of tongue in it. Right. And uh, apparently I looked goofy. Nah, boy. I got a hard time about it. What is that? What are you doing? Yeah. Sorry, baby. Young boy from Morganville just learning. You know what I mean? Just learning. Learning on the job. Learning on the job. Troy? Um, Manhattan Hill. 
Wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I don't even really have a good rep memory of it. You gotta go way what? back. Who yeah. doesn't remember their first kiss? That's a big moment. So uh, there was a K-Rock thing about people. Um, it's hard to remember the first kiss or the first time you, you know... Uh, you know, come on. <laughs> um, uh, some people that, can that re- I remember. Yeah, some people can matter. remember one or the other. You know, it's weird. I remember both. Um, I was in Larned, Kansas. Shout out to Tess. Um, yeah, I was behind the little retaining wall by the crick. The crick. Just a little Larned boy <laughs> learning on the fly. Um, it was awesome, and I was like, I'd like more of that, please. And she was like, Stay away from me. <laughs> Sashay. I mean, mine was with my first relationship, Aww. and I was like, you know, I was a junior in high school yeah. at that point, and it was stiff and awkward because I didn't know what I was you're doing. Like, sure. So, <laughs> oh, the first time you kiss somebody at school, you're like, oh my god, I'm breaking the rules. It's weird. Um, that's really. Um, oh, I had another. We're kind of at an awkward time because we have like a minute to go. But if you ask like a great question, it's gonna. It's not going to pay off because we're not only going to be able to go. How about yeah. it serves as a good point to remind folks again that overnight tonight, no Coast to Coast AM because of technical issues in the building, so it'll be ESPN Radio. DG yeah. has fried the mainframe. My we're fault. barely on air right now. We yeah. are. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Big Steve out there holding the satellite. Yeah, up. he is He is on a bicycle right now <laughs> pedaling. <laughs> Keeping the electricity going. Dude is a great, he's a hard worker, I'll tell you what. But like I said, not entirely my fault. A little bit of choice fault mm-hmm. and a little bit of just uh, kind of, hey, it happens, baby. It's radio. Meanwhile, I saved the day. I ran into that studio, potted up ESP, and I, I popped on air. I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. People like just completely, just the, the whole back room blew up. Wow. And uh, we're working on it, but everything's gonna hopefully be back to uh, back to normal tomorrow. Yeah. We have the game for an hour and a half tomorrow because K State baseball at five thirty will get oh. you set for Oklahoma State and the Cats from Toyton Family Stadium. But for Sajay, for DG Troy, I'm Mitch. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.